Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast series. I'm delighted to host this podcast and share key trends and innovations for each of the 25 industries we serve. At SAP, we like to say that we speak the language of our customers, and this language is industry. We've been supporting all industries for more than 50 years now, and it's exciting to launch this podcast and discuss with industry experts the business value that they get from our solutions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast. My name is Tom Raftery, and with me on the show today, I have my special guest, Sophia. Sophia, welcome to the show, and would you like to introduce yourself? Thank you, Tom. I would. I am Sophia Mendelssohn, Cognizance Global Head of Environmental Social Governance and our Chief Sustainability Officer. Fantastic. And Sophia, for people who might be unaware, can you tell us a little bit about Cognizant? Of course, of course. And to those same people, thank you for listening to us today. So Cognizant is a Fortune 200 enterprise service company. We provide IT tech solutions for the Fortune 2000. So that means whether you might be ordering pizza or takeout or returning a shirt to a store or enjoying banking through a mobile app, you're probably touching Cognizant technology. Wow, cool. Now we all know. Great. <laughs> We're And as Chief Sustainability Officer, we are just a couple of weeks post COP26. Uh, so that was the, the real big sustainability event this year. I mean, we in SAP, we had a couple of SAP sustainability summits. They were the next best thing. But <laughs> <laughs> but uh, COP26, what, what's your takeaway from that? Because the coverage of it was quite polar, uh, polarized. You know, some mm. people said it was fantastic. Some people said it was very disappointing. Where do you fall in that spectrum? Yeah, thank you. I'll I'll answer the question thinking through what your um, average listener might have seen from COP. So if you're listening to this podcast, you probably followed COP26 pretty closely. And you would have seen that it was challenging to do during COVID, which isn't a surprise because attacking environmental and social mega trends and mega problems in the middle of a pandemic is hard. So I'll give COP26 a pass on that, despite the negative coverage. And I would say beyond the headlines about India or China, what happened at COP26 that was important was two things. The first thing is that companies, private and public, were at the table sitting next to nation states. And they were eager to show, we were eager to show our solutions as part of what can help move the conversation forward, what can move the needle so that the climate conversation can go from, it's not possible to, it's possible in three decades to, it's possible, we need to solve it before three decades. We need to start now and we have the renewable energy, and the technology to do that. That's the first thing. That undercurrent of moving from identifying a problem to setting goals to action and tools. The second thing was accounting. I mean, boring old accounting. Here we are, the biggest, most powerful people in the world talking about the 
biggest problem in the world. And I think one of the most exciting things that happened was accounting. What happened in accounting with COP26? Banking and financial services, including many of Cognizant's clients, many of SAP's clients, got together and said, we are going to agree not only on how to report what our own environmental footprint is, but how are we going to account for carbon in the economy? How are we going to account for carbon in our portfolios? And this is incredibly important because if carbon is destabilizing our communities and our economies, we need to be able to count it and count it the same way no matter where we are in the globe and then be able to take action on it and watch how that action is doing, how that action is moving the needle on carbon. Fantastic. Yeah, the, the GFANS announcement was pretty incredible, I gotta say. Uh, GFANS, for anyone who's listening who's unaware, is the Glasgow Financial Alliance for Net Zero. And it's a, a it's an association of 450 financial accounting or finance firms from 45 countries who together manage $130 trillion, which, I mean, I can't conceptualize a trillion dollars, never mind 130 trillion. And they, they're responsible for where that money is invested. It's mind boggling that this money is now going to be directed towards net zero projects, which means that's 130 trillion, which isn't going towards fossil fuel projects. So right there, that's got to move a really big needle now. Yes, Tom. The, the short answer is yes. And, you know, the longer answer is how do you think about $130 trillion? You think about it as a major chunk of the economy. What does that mean? Is that enough? Is that chunk enough? Right. If I were the listener, that's what I want to know. $130 trillion sounds like a lot of money. Should it be $200 trillion? Should yeah. it be $500 trillion? I mean, at those numbers, who knows? Right. So here's here's how I would say to the listener. Trillions is the unit we need to be talking about to solve this problem, mm. not billions, trillions. So when you hear a T, we're playing the right game, we're in the ballpark. Is it enough? It's a great step forward. Could it ever be enough when you know how urgent the problem is, when you know how it affects people's lives? I'm really excited for 130 trillion and I'm excited to see more. <laughs> Good. Good, good. And you mentioned that it's, you know, we're coming into the time to take action. What kinds of actions should we be taking? It's a, a great question. And here's how I think about it. That depends on who's taking the action. Are you operating in your individual capacity? For example, I'm a mom. Sometimes I operate individually as a mom. Um, are you operating in your community? I'm a voter. I sit on a you know, into local meetings. I like to um, influence local systems around me. Um, are you a company? Are you a CEO? Are you an executive, as I'm sure many of your listeners are? Um, or are you a nation state? Well, probably most of us on this call aren't nation states. So, you know, let's talk about the, the individual. Um, as an individual, I know I can't shop my way out of this problem, but I also know that with my own dollars, I have the ability to send a market signal. You know, what I buy, particularly my renewable energy, and most listeners in the EU and the United States now have the opportunity um, to, to go to their utility provider. I'll use the U.S. example, Con Ed, and say we want renewable energy. 
you know, as a citizen, your vote, your voice um, with your representatives counts that you care about this topic. A lot of the delay on climate change was political um, assumptions or impressions that the public didn't care because it was a faraway problem. And then, of course, as business leaders, as business actors, which I'm sure many of the listeners um, right now are, you know, expressing to your employer that this topic matters to you and not in a superficial way that you don't want um, just recycling in your office. And now I guess recycling in your home office, but you want to know that the CEO is considering this topic in the enterprise strategy and the company's purpose. Okay. And are businesses starting to finally take this seriously? I think they are. it comes down as it so frequently does to money, right? Because we know um, that the funds tied up with an inflexible fossil-based system are increasingly at risk of being left out of a future state circular low carbon economy. The astute observer can now see which companies are aggressively transitioning. Um, I'll use BP as a very public example, um, not only going from, quote, British Petroleum to BP, um, but press release after press release about renewable energy um, and their focus on partners with energy as a service. You can see which companies are definitely in transition. We can talk about SAP, we can talk about Cognizant, you know, really building this into their purpose, realizing, hey, as a software provider, um, IT solutions provider, we might not have the biggest environmental or carbon footprint, but we have immense power to enable our clients and our partners to reduce theirs through our software and through our IT solutions. In SAP, we, we talk about ourselves being exemplars and enablers, or that's our aim, where the exemplar is that we manage or we do our best to reduce our carbon footprint. And the enabler then is that we try and enable our customers to reduce their carbon footprint, which of course is many, many, many orders of magnitude greater than our own. So I think our carbon footprint last year, which was an, you know, was a, an unusual year, was 150,000 tons. The year before was 300,000 tons. So we dropped it 50% last year, but last year was a weird year. But I mean, if we drop ours, and it was going down around 10% a year, year on year anyway. So if, you, if we drop ours 10% off the 300,000, we're down at 270. It's a reduction of 30,000 tons. That's all well and good, but it's a drop in the ocean really compared. I mean, it would be a rounding error for some of our own customers. So if we manage to get them down, that makes a huge, huge, huge difference. Talk to me about Cognizant and what you guys are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. So what we're doing at Cognizant is putting our hand on our heart and our brain in the market and saying, we see a future low to zero carbon global economy, and we are front and center of it, leading the way there. That means that Cognizant is going to be net zero greenhouse gas emissions, or to say it more informally, carbon pollution by 2030, 2030, staring at the calendar, nine, almost eight years away now, very, very soon. This is no longer 
a far off problem for cognizant. This is our moment to lead and our moment to lead quickly. And we set a very aggressive early date to do that by. And how are you going to do that? So we have different levers we're going to pull internally to achieve that. At a high level, the first and foremost, most important lever we're going to pull is renewable energy. We have to be able to purchase renewable energy from the grid and run our business off that zero carbon renewable energy, which of course takes technology software and data to go from a sunbeam and a gust of wind to turning the lights on and keeping a data center on. And the second really significant important way we're going to be doing this is energy efficiency for our buildings, our data centers, making sure they're run right, powered right, using the most efficient equipment, et cetera. And the third way is by working with our supply chain. And for the listener, the supply chain, that third way is probably where they're going to most feel it in their business lives, because as we've all been reminded through COVID, the supply chain is a web, it's an ecosystem. And as companies begin to push out through their supply chain and say, we want to work with partners who have their act together, who are part of the um, transition to the low carbon economy, who are leading like Cognizant, who are leading like SAP, um, that, that pressure is like a ripple effect from a stone thrown in a pond outwards. And it it is beginning to capture the small, medium enterprises, those SMEs that I think to date have largely been left out of the global economy conversation. Yeah. And, and speaking of, how are you then working with your customers to help them reduce their emissions? Cognizant does this across a number of industries. One of my favorite examples, because it's so tangible to the individual listener, is in what we call our vertical of Industry Plus. And what we did with Industry Plus is we worked with an extraordinarily large retailer. And that retailer was very sophisticated, knows their carbon footprint, knows where they're using energy, and wants to reduce that consumption, right? Big numbers. And so we did a couple of things. In the first example... We put sensors on their freezers so that they could tell which ones immediately were leaking energy. Win-win, classic, lower carbon, lower energy bills. Um, For a logistics provider, similar story, more efficient travel, more efficient routes, more efficient shipping. Win-win, you pay less, you pollute less. Okay. Any other interesting examples you want to talk to from your your customer base and and wins that you've achieved there? Yeah, Tom, good question. That's just energy. That's just carbon, right? We all know about light bulbs and the like. We should also be talking about the circular economy. Um, For those who might not be familiar with it, the circular economy is the idea that you don't just want to buy something and bin it. And that it magically goes away after you throw it out or you think, you know, your, your consciousness is clear because you donated it without having to think about the next step. The circular economy is akin to the new rental economy for clothing, for furniture, for cars, um, for houses, Airbnb being an early and most you know, famous example of this. And so that takes IT tech software and data too. So 
for many of your listeners who might be used to shopping at big brand stores and then returning something, that's running frequently on cognizant software and cognizant solutions. So that's a two-way exchange, right? I buy something, I don't like it, I return it, the store is able to scan it, absorb it, knows how the credit card company knows to give you your money back, the store knows how to absorb your shirt, get it back into the shipping yard. It's extraordinarily complicated. Now imagine doing that in an almost endless loop. Mm. Think about how much software that takes. I'm renting the shirt from you. You get it to me on time. I return it to you. Your software processes that, captures that data, sends it through an industrial process to get that item back out to the next person, tracks it, tracks its return, is able to design it for repair, repairs it, and keeps it circling. So all of that takes many things, but primarily in my mind, it takes the following three things. One, it takes energy, and that energy we now know needs to be renewable. Two, it takes software to track all that. And three, it takes data to make sure that process is working and actually creating positive environmental impact. Cool. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, the, the last point about data, because we've had a huge jump forward in digital transformation in the last 18 months with the onset of the pandemic, I think it moved a lot of the companies from just doing proofs of concept into actually rolling out deliverable uh, data or digital transformation projects. And this shift to net zero economy, whatever we're calling it, you got to think it's going to be the next evolution of digital transformation because you can't have, you can't go for net zero unless you're actively measuring your emissions. And to measure your emissions, you need to have a digitized system. Otherwise, you know, you can't do it with a pen and clipboard. It has to be completely digitized. So to my mind, and, you know, feel free to say, Tom, you're talking rubbish. But to my mind, it's the next evolution of the digital transformation. The digital transformation is kind of the foundation you need to go net zero, but then once you've got once you once you have digitized, that's what enables you to actually go net zero. I'll say, Tom, not only are you not talking rubbish, you're talking gold, right? So if you're listening to this podcast, you already know about the digital transformation. You already know about the trillions with a T that have gone into it and depend on it. And you should be thinking about sustainability defined as the low carbon circular economy as the next digital transformation. This time, not inward looking to an enterprise, how's the enterprise going to become digital? But this time, how is the digital going to change the enterprise so that we have the right environmental and social outcomes for communities? The regulatory environment is going to shift enormously in the next few years and decades as well, you've got to think. Is that going to... Uh, is that going to be a forcing factor as well for companies that haven't started on this road yet? Sure. Regulation will always have a role to play. And so will NGOs and so will activists and so will nation states. We're an ecosystem making this change. That being said, as someone who's signed up to make change within a corporation, I think the cat's out of the bag the horses left the barn, whatever you want to say, Tom. I think stranded assets are a major concern 
for the banking and financial system. And that ties heavily into how enterprises access capital or debt. Mm. And you're going to see and going to continue to see enterprises behaving in a way that's logical for them to access capital. And that politically and socially opening the door for regulation to lubricate and enhance that change. Yeah, I was looking at data on Bloomberg recently that showed that the cost of capital now for offshore oil projects is approaching 25%. For new gas projects, it's about 15%. And for renewable projects, it's below 5%. And it's all, to your point, it's all based on risk. The, the risk of investing in an offshore oil project or a gas project and it being shut down in five to 10 years time is so great. Now the cost of capital is only going up and the zero risk with renewables. So they're, like I say, below 5%. I think that augurs incredibly positively for the future. Yeah, and that's sustainability in a nutshell, right? You're trying to see around the corner, making sure you've got the right view while still operating in this moment. And that is only possible if you're a digitally enabled organization. Yeah, yeah. Are you, broadly speaking, Sophia, are you optimistic for the future? Tom, you know, I'm going to pause and that's a pause. You don't have to cut out of this podcast. I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic because I see the right players at the table making moves. But I'll be honest with you. I worry. I worry as an individual. I worry as a mother. I know the business sector is moving. I know Cognizant's leading the way. I know our peers and counterparts and clients are eager to transition themselves to sustainable enterprises if they're not already. But, you know, as an individual, as a mom, I do keep my eye on the clock and I do want to make sure we're all acting as quickly as possible and we maintain our sense of urgency both at home and in the office. Cool. Good, good, great. What's next? I know we've got Davos coming up in January, but, you know, what's next? What's going to happen there and what happens after that? What's, what's, what's the next few months and years going to bring us? It's good you mentioned Davos, Tom, because the listeners should know that, you know, since 2018, 2019, Davos has been a big milestone on the calendar to move the conversation forward. If I'm making predictions, I wouldn't expect a big leap from Davos this year akin to what we've seen in 2019, 2020, 2021. I think the large institutional shareholders who usually make those statements at Davos have done their part. Um, have pushed us all forward. BlackRock's gone um, to the logical extreme for the market, and you could name any number of large institutional shareholders after them. Uh, I think that's that was the time of commitments. You know, Davos is for commitments, and 2022 is for work. And what does that work look like? That work looks like companies like Cognizant setting net zero emissions goals early by 2030. Companies like Cognizant and SAP working with the Global 2000 clients on those clients' environmental footprint through data, through software, through enterprise IT and efficiency. Superb. Sophia, we're coming towards the end of the podcast now. Is there any question I have not asked that you wish I had or any topic we've not touched on that you think it's important for people to be aware of? I think... Many of um, the folks who listen to podcasts like this are thinking about their role in the solution, their career, 
um, in sustainability, maybe looking to transition in. And what I would say is there are a few jobs tagged just sustainability. And that's for a reason, because where this needs to live is in the enterprise, in strategy, in R&D, in sales, in delivery, in markets. So wherever you're sitting today, know there is a role and a purpose for you in the sustainable solution in your current expertise. Nice, nice. Sophia, if people want to know more about yourself or about Cognizant or any of the things we discussed on the podcast today, where would you have me direct them? Oh, thank you. So they can go straight to Cognizant.com. And on Cognizant.com, you'll find a prominent about us and ESG or environmental social governance on our website there, loud, proud, key, not peripheral. And the same um, for Cognizant on social media and especially on LinkedIn. Lots of up-to-date, to-the-minute sustainability and environmental information from us there. Superb. Sophia, that's been great. Thanks a million for coming on the podcast today. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for listening to the Industry Insights by SAP podcast. If you want to explore our industry portfolio to find the solutions you need to run your business better, faster, and simpler, please visit us at sap.com slash industries.